People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, inviting you to join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on our website to hear our take as three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can follow us on Facebook. You can reach us with your comments, questions, suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and you can email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And stay tuned for our long-awaited YouTube channel. And now on with this week's episode. Hello, Brothers Talk family, and welcome around the world, wherever you're listening and holding your critical thinking conversations to promote activism and to uplift our people. To our first-time listeners, we're glad you're here to help with the work of encouraging and educating as we endorse and inspire new and existing Black businesses and individuals to empower and enrich the Black community. It's the new COVID reality that coronavirus is here to stay, and its latest Omicron subvariant Arcturus is still very much infectious and deadly, and forecast to produce a new surge again this fall and winter. We'll keep mentioning it because someone has to literally because it's still a matter of life and death, even though our government and the truly stupid don't want to believe it so. But we don't care what they say. We're still urging everyone to be careful when you're out and about. And even the health professionals are still advising that you get your vaccinations or the newest boosters. And remember that wearing a mask in crowded situations helps prevent the spread of all respiratory infections, including flu and RSV2. Please use plenty of disinfectants when traveling so that your trip doesn't end in the hospital or worse, and because you definitely don't want to bring anything deadly back to your medically fragile family and friends. Come on now, we've still got to be smarter than our government because we can and we must do better. And now to my brother in the struggle for critical thinking, Norm. Thanks, Rod. And I just wanted to remind everyone that the political season, you know, it's coming up this fall. We're just hitting the summer session. But it's imperative that we prepare ourselves for local elections and national. And please think, study, homework, talk to friends, family, neighbors, whoever you must, but motivate everyone to vote. Before we get started, we want to again thank our guest, brother, friend of the show, and Black Republican David Byrd for being with us last week and sharing his perspective. But there was one of the points that he made that was straight from the Pro 45 playbook and needs to be elaborated on for both accuracy and clarity. He said that 45 gave more funding to HBCUs than Obama did, which is true, but not for the reason that's implied. 45 was mandated by the law to increase the HBU funding during his term, just like Obama increased it over W. Bush. So let's set the record straight. Now, whether you've been listening from the beginning or whether this is your very first show, you know that we keep our pedal to the metal when it comes to critical thinking and that we don't shy away from the controversial when it comes to telling the truth. And here we go again. The death of the legendary superstar Tina Turner with all the tributes pouring in led us to an uncomfortable truth. When white people universally approve you, that's more than enough reason to be suspicious of the narrative. I love watching the show Unsung on TV One, and one of the episodes featured the story of the late Ike Turner. And what was particularly insightful was the interviews that were conducted with surviving members of the Ike and Tina band and others familiar with their history. What particularly caught my attention was the information in those regulations that less demonized Ike 
and less deified Tina. A lot was made of the fact that Tina often started fights with Ike, and we're not trying to minimize that Ike was abusive as the stories that Tina claimed, but the stories that were told were less of a cruelly abusive Ike Turner who was portrayed as a black devil in the very popular and sensationalized movie What's Love Got to Do With It, which was based in part on Tina's autobiography, I, Tina, which was co-written along with the movie by Kurt Loder, who's infamous as a white guy who was on MTV calling himself pretty much an expert on black culture. Get the picture? First of all, the movie was not a documentary, even though so many people think of it as such, as opposed to Unsung, which is told from the perspective of the people who were there. Question, was Ike Turner ever interviewed for his side of the story in the movie? No. And yet the people who were there talked about how the movie destroyed his career and basically him. I'm making this point for two reasons. One, movies are notorious for over-dramatizing and even fictionalizing stuff in order to make the story more appealing. And two, we need to recognize the ongoing white standard of portraying Black people and especially Black males as beastly, as evil, and uncivilized for their entertainment purposes unless they're clowning. Bottom line is this. Just one more reason why we need to push for CRT so our truth, the real truth, the whole truth can be told, and why we need to always consider the source, especially when one of us is pretty much universally approved and accepted by the white media and white society. Yeah, thanks, Rod. You know, this is just another example of the color purple of Black men in this country. And because of that one movie, you literally would believe that that kind of relationship is the norm in regards to Black men in marriage or, or any type of relationship in this country, that we are that violent consistently because of this media beat, drum they're beating, and using some of our women to do so. And unfortunately, we don't have the means to actually address that, those stereotypes, as to prove them as, as false. But that's the world we live in where you know, the white supremacist version of things is going to get the access and the money. And see, I'm glad that's why you pointed out the white supremacist version, because this goes all the way back to the enslavement days where they like to portray these narratives that showed us, as I said, as beasts, as over-sexualized, as abusive in ways that don't stand up to the historical narrative of those who were actually there and who wrote down the stories at the time, that in essence, they as a white society needed to find a way to make us the devil effectively so that they could then justify what they were actually doing. I mean, what's more abusive than the white masters going out to the slave quarters to rape Black women and and impregnate them so that they could continue to create more enslaved people. You know, that story is the one that doesn't get told. Just like you said, there's no pushback on the other side of the stories like The Color Purple, the stories like, you know, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, and the story I, Tina. Okay, even if those stories have their basis in 100% truth, that's not the majority as it would seem because 
those are the only stories that are effectively being told. And as you and I well know, when you see the stories that are featured by the likes of Oprah Winfrey or the likes of Gayle King or many other Black women or the Black women who are being interviewed, there is sensationalism in having the opportunity to make us look as bad as we possibly can be because it seems to sell because it feeds into that old mythology. And yet nobody has the the guts to say, well, why don't we present a different side? Because those of us who come up in the Black community know that the vast majority of Black women actually not only support Black men and do their best to push them forward, because primarily they know what Black men are up against. And so that's just one more symptom of why we have to do our best to raise up the other side. Right. I'm so glad you mentioned slavery because the first thing that came to my mind was the the movie um, Birth of a Nation, which was the launching point, really, for this whole socialization of Black buffoonery and negativity. And I believe at the time that movie was released, it was the number one movie in the country. And it was even shown in the White House. So literally, demonizing Black men was like officially a government policy in this country. And unfortunately today, they have a small group of our women who are being very well compensated for doing this. So you don't even have to associate a white face with this same message. Now you can associate a one of our women, or I should say our women, with the same white supremacist racist message from white America. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the birth of a nation because not only was it the most popular, but it was so because it was the only movie. It was the first of the mass, widespread, distributed motion pictures. And as you said, it was played in the White House. And one of the comments that came from Woodrow Wilson, the noted racist president, was that it was something like it was glorious because it's so true. And the movie actually is a glorified account of the founding of the Ku Klux Klan based on a black-faced white man who was portraying an escaped slave who uh, supposedly ravaged a white woman. And so, as you said, that's been the narrative from the very first movie. And, And let's, again, just focus on the fact that it's the media. That is what we're talking about, that Hollywood started this whole narrative that still goes on to this day of them finding ways to portray us either as as evil or as a clown. And there's very little been done except for the quote unquote black exploitation movies to actually present a more balanced viewpoint. And even though there has been a few that have taken the opportunity to do things like when they said Black Panther uh, couldn't get made for so many years because they refused to even believe that an all-Black movie could make money. Well, obviously, that movie shattered that mythos, but we're still not seeing a flood of those kinds of movies as you normally see in Hollywood whenever you find a formula for something that works. Everybody usually jumps on the bandwagon but we certainly haven't seen a lot of those things to come out. But you also made the point, too, about the the fact that we have so many opportunities 
for black women to come out and to take their swipes at black males. It seems like that's one of the easiest importance to get on TV and radio is if you're willing to come out and take your swipes at us versus the opposite side of the coin. Actually, I've never seen it done. We've never seen a black male who's been willing to come out and just come down like a ton of bricks on black women. And so I'm glad on that hand, but I fear that one day somebody will unlock that door and say like, look, I'm going to take the money and do it. And I think when that happens, the floodgates might just open for those who are just opportunists for the dollar. You know, you mentioned something there that I just want to follow up on. Even Eddie Murphy making the movie movie Boomerang, he had to fight to make a movie solely based on a, a positive image of black men and black people. Literally, one of the biggest box office stars of our generation they wanted to actually insert white people into the movie. They didn't believe that that type of movie could make money. And that was back in the 80s. Okay, so which that, that movie was very profitable. But, but the point is, they don't want to see any Black positive images out front and center. You know, and we can come to a, a few of our movie makers today and a few of our uh, TV writers today are, are still profiting from that same buffoonery, stupidness line of production. And we really have to do more to, to start to call them out and, and and not let them get away with filling their pockets on our backs. Yeah, that's absolutely 1,000% correct. And let's look at the kind of outrage that is out there over Chloe playing the Little Mermaid, Ariel. They just, white America was losing their mind with you hearing like white men basically saying things like she looks nothing like the original. And it's just so absurd that they are that worked up over not an actual person, but a fictionalized character. And it's like, well, okay, what are we looking at here? We're looking at the only thing that's different about Ariel in this version is that the human part of the person has brown skin as opposed to white skin. And yet they're going nuts saying like, it looks nothing like the original. So that just gives you an idea of the depth of the racism, even though they have from time immemorial in the movies had no problem portraying black and African uh, figures as white, you know, we go no further than talk about Cleopatra and and the pharaohs and and just uh, example after example of them deciding that it's okay for whites to not only play Africans and other black people, but certainly they had no problem playing any other ethnic group, and they never considered once what that might actually look like to the people who were doing it because it was okay because of white privilege and white supremacy. Well, it won't be long till Dr. King and Malcolm X are portrayed by white people, but you know, we'll hold off on that because uh, it, even in Florida right now, just a, a sidestep here, you're not even allowed to mention the race of Rosa Parks in teaching young people about the civil rights movement. So literally, they're trying to whiten the history up and, and um, literally absolve themselves from any responsibility. 
But but to get back on, on our official track, we have to be the gatekeepers in regards to what gets put out regarding our image and our history. And we're not doing a very good job of that at all. We're, we're not empowering our young people and making sure they have access to all of this information. We're giving them these $1,000 cell phones, but we're not giving them any information or knowledge in regards to who and what they are and what they need to do in, in this society and in their lives to exist. We're not doing a very good job, Rod. Well, you said that you were sidestepping. I think you were meaning to be facetious talking about Dr. King and Malcolm X. But your point is well taken that if you start not mentioning the ethnicity of people like Rosa Parks, what ultimately happens is that they become colorless, which means white. And so they don't have any problem in making sure that when they talk about the Civil War and the heroes of the Civil War, that they mention that, you know, Lincoln was this white man. Or when they talk about the heroes of the Civil Rights Movement, that how Kennedy and Johnson were white men who were instrumental. In. And there's nothing wrong with mentioning that. But why are you then going to do your best to undermine the idea of identifying the ethnicity of Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Malcolm X, and those individuals, unless your reasoning is that you simply don't want their ethnic group to be included in the story, thereby you increase the white supremacist notion that the real power of change came from these white people and the others didn't have a color. So what was the assumption that, well, if Rosa Parks' ethnicity isn't mentioned, 100 years from now, people will say, well, she must have been white because they didn't say anything about her being anything else. And that's where we're headed, unfortunately. And if we don't wake up and decide to take control of our image and our history, you know, it just won't be there for another generation, unfortunately. You know, uh, fortunately, you know, we had Malcolm X and we had a Dr. King and we had a lot of great people who sacrificed a lot for us you know, during our generation. And unfortunately, young people don't have that today. So they're going to have to do a lot more homework. And one thing I'd like to point out to young people, you know, the Black Panthers, that whole era, they were young people. They were teenagers. They were 18, 19, 20 years old. You know, they have a lot of work to do today. Our young people need a lot of guidance today. Yeah, they were all back there and they were <laughs> charged up. Now, I am hopeful because when I talk to young people today, I'm seeing a difference between the previous generations of young people in that the young people that I am encountering now are more value-driven than the previous generation. The previous generations had gotten around to really being more focused on what their parents were about, which was economic security and holding on to influence and power. And this new group is breaking the mold a little bit because they are much more focused around, when I say values, they're thinking more about their friends and wanting the world to be a better place for all of their friends. They want to look at things like the ecology and figure out how the world can be made a better place. And they are also registering in huge numbers to vote, which I think is one more thing that should spell the death knell for both sides going forward, who have been drinking from the same trough of corporatism and corporate money. 
So we should see a real change if we continue to encourage those young people. They may be that next group. In our Black Business Spotlight, TOL Barber College, the first Black-owned barber school in Toledo, Ohio, has opened its doors to aspiring entrepreneurs in the hair care industry. Its owner, Antoine Turner, who is a barber himself, hopes that it will inspire his students to lead a path to a better life. At present, the school has 16 students, and Turner is very proud of their remarkable progress. He said nearly 80% of the students didn't have any experience in the field when they first came, but with daily lessons from certified barbers, they've made significant improvements. They were taught not only how to become barbers, but to become entrepreneurs as well. Be sure to follow TOL Barber College on Instagram at, at TOL underscore Barber College. That's a wrap for this show. And remember, you can share your thoughts with us and follow and communicate with us by sending your comments as well as your questions and show ideas to The Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And as always, God willing, we'll continue to keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. Until our next episode, know that we sincerely appreciate your time and interest and rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. And finally, let's do better today because that's all we really have.